Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. After six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Monday morning, too. It is a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio. However, you're taking us in this morning. Good morning to you. Uh, producer number five, Jeffrey Parlay, and number eight, Jeffrey Parlay is here. How you doing, man? Good? Yeah, I, I, I'm doing well. It's. Uh... It was an interesting college football weekend. Let's how'd, just say that. How'd you do betting wise? All right. All right. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Uh, Utah State coming through nicely for me at the end of the night on Saturday. <laughs> we'll get it. There's so much to say about college football. I have a list of like notes of I got to mention this. I got to mention this. Oh, that's a thing. Uh, we'll get into all that with college football. Wes Reynolds will join us momentarily. We'll talk. Uh, a little golf and college football primarily with Wes momentarily. The Swiss Army Knife of VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, Chrissy Andrews as well later on the show. It's not guessing lines. We never do guessing lines before week one. Guessing lines begins next week on Monday before week number two. That's how we always do this. Though uh, Brian Grayson on Twitter said, uh, why don't you guys just talk about anything for two hours? Uh, because I'm too much of an idiot to have thought about that. So Chrissy later on the show uh, to uh, to talk about week one of the National Football League. Jason Weingarten here to talk about baseball. And oh yes, tennis picks. We will do that. Uh, hope you followed all weekend long. We had uh, had a three and three for a modest win because there were dogs involved on Saturday. Then yesterday a two and zero oh with a. Uh, a fascinating ending to that Krajikova Muguruza match. Muguruza, by the way, the Castellano pronunciation, um, where uh, I think we were in a situation where, first of all, Krajikova had some diaphragm or breathing problems or what was going on. And I think she won the first set easy, but then she squandered a big double break lead in the second set. And I think if we lose that tiebreaker, she may have quit. That, I believe, might have happened last night, but it, she gets it done. And so not only do we get it done with a pick, but our uh, futures play still very much alive now as she takes on Arena Sabalenka in the quarters. But the final uh, the, the final of two days of the round of 16, we will have a couple picks coming up on this show uh, in what has been, Brad Gilbert described it as, the greatest week one of a slam he's ever seen in his life. Just absolutely, not only from a... Uh, you know, a betting perspective where it has been a boon for us as we're over now, uh, what is it, over over six and a half units just during the U.S. Open, but over 21 units now if you've been on this run with us 
over the last uh, about a month or so where we're just killing it. And so we will have two more picks today. The pickings are starting to get a little slimmer now, obviously, as the tournament uh, you know narrows as we advance to the quarterfinals and beyond starting tomorrow. But we do have a couple uh, coming up. Um, Jeff, before we uh, before we get into get West Reynolds on to talk college football, let me just macro statement this college football weekend. And you and I sort of had a brief exchange about this. Can we just say it's Alabama and everybody else? Or is that too simplistic? I don't think it's simplistic at all. <laughs> I don't think it's simplistic at all. That's there's so many with so many of these teams. This is the thing about college football again, and, and Wishnev, who we're going to have on Wednesdays, Wishnev Wednesday this week, uh, he'll be in town. He he said it about you know there's no he he in games college football. There is no sport. You could say this about a few sports, by the way, but there's no sport I think that reveals itself quicker in game than college football does. Sometimes you read it wrong for sure, but sometimes it is oh so clear. By the way, Florida A and M, Jacksonville State. For anybody who bet that yesterday, Jason Weingarten was in game undering the heck out of that yesterday. So it's just one of these sports, whether it's a total, whether it's a domination of one team or another, that you can figure out very quickly in so many cases. And it's also a sport where I feel like we spend the most. Of any sport that we spend before the season starts, so baseball, NFL, let's consider NFL one one entity to itself. Um, I guess NBA two to a degree, but NBA is a little more straightforward. But certainly versus baseball in the NFL, college football, I think we are most wrong about consensus-wise, team by team before a season starts, as we fill content with college football preview talk. I mean, Carolina, Oregon, Oklahoma, uh, it's been, I've, for some people, Clemson and Georgia may have even uh, crept onto this list of things we think we we know, and then once we see them in action, and we don't want to overreact too much after week one, but I think in some cases we might. We'll get to Wes Reynolds. That'll be my first question to him. Should How, how much should we uh, read into this with some of these teams uh, week one? What is real and what is mirage? Some of these teams, man, oh boy, we may have had them completely wrong. So we'll get into all this and a whole bunch of betting quirks that went on this weekend as well. And just some observations. Uh, it is Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game at VEASAN, the sports betting network, VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio. Jeff Parlay is here as well. Let's bring him in. Co-host of the greatest golf betting show there ever was, Long Shots. And, of course, uh, host of many another show, uh, many other shows here on the network, My Guys in the Desert, chief among them. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Wes Reynolds. How you doing, Wes? Good morning, Gil. How are you? I'm well. Let's start with a few minutes on golf because just from a betting standpoint, this was one of the more amusing, amusing, I say, tongue-in-cheek watches. But you had the tour championship, so the, so the general media and the announcers yesterday, you know, understandably calling this the tour, equating the tour championship essentially with the FedEx Cup and using those two terms interchangeably because obviously whoever did win the staggered start of the, uh, not the staggered leaderboard start, I should say, of the Tour Championship would win the $15 million and Patrick Cantlay ends up getting the prize. But for those of us who bet more prominently in the 72-hole tournament, it was this funny thing where we we were constantly doing math on our own. Wait a minute, Rom's tied with Nah, he's one stroke ahead, and the announcer's completely oblivious to what we were actually betting. Did you bet either way on this? Yeah, I did. I, I did bet a couple 72 holes. I mean, not going very deep in a 30-man field, but did take a couple shots. They didn't get there. I thought John Rahm was going to win the Tour Championship, and he kind of did when you look at it at the 72-hole market. He did have the lowest score, but never was able to get there. It was pretty much a Rahm and Cantlay show on Sunday with kind of like Kevin Don, Justin Thomas, kind of just hanging by their fingernails here and hoping that the these guys would make a mistake. They never did. So, you know, they switched this format, Gil, from I think about three years ago because we all remember when Tiger Woods had not won for a little bit over five years and he won the Tour Championship. And then they had that awkward moment on the 18th green where Tiger Woods is getting awarded the trophy for the tournament. But, oh, by the way, this guy next to him, being Justin Rose, won $10 million in the FedEx Cup. And it was so <laughs> anticlimactic. And we know that FedEx pays a lot of money 
for this sponsorship entitlement. So they want their trophy winner at the end of the season for this points race to matter. So that's why they switched this format. But yeah, it was absolutely confusing because you're kind of doing the math. And then there is somebody on Twitter who does a lot of the world golf ranking calculations by the name of uh, Nosferatu at BC606 on Twitter. He was the only one that I could see that was keeping up the update in terms of the 72 hole market. Well, Kelly Bidlin, the uh, the wonderful producer of uh, Primetime Action, he was doing it for Matt Brown and I, because <laughs> Matt Brown and me, because we had we all had these John Rom bets, and it ends up dead heating with Kevin Na. The by the way, yes. can we can we just talk about dead heat for a second? Brief aside, like I don't know who in in sports book history came up with the dead heat rules, but that's another way where they've managed to figure out a way to extract a little extra skin from the better. It's steak plus what you would have won had your golfer one outright divided by the number of golfers he tied with minus your original stake. It's, it's like, Oh, and then we got to minus the original stake after that. Um, so it's, that's always amusing as well. The, the other thing, and I think you and I have talked about this before, but just in terms of golf coverage and, and again, this is just another thing that betters also should just have in there, you know, to just be aware of if they're in gaming, but with the FedEx Cup, because it's a $15 million first prize and there's so much money after that, um, you know, eighth place is still winning like over a million dollars. They're okay talking about, oh, this putt that Justin Thomas is about to sink is worth $600,000. I wish they would do that more during the regular PGA Tour. Yeah, ex- exactly, Gil, because, I mean, week to week, on the PGA Tour, you have some guys, you know, it's not always the top end guys like we saw this weekend for the Tour Championship. Sometimes this is a week to week proposition because you have guys that might be playing on like sponsor exemptions or guys that have to get into a top 10 to be able to make next week's events. So, you know, when they do like the FedEx Cup point updates in February, now here's an update. Well, it's like, well, this is going to all change in like six months months where you know a guy that's maybe at the top is going to be like 20th or whatever but I agree with you in terms of you know updating the money and really updating the status of some of these players because not everybody is a John Rom or a Patrick Cantlay where you're exempt for you know 20 different ways in terms of getting into the majors or getting on the tour next year so yeah I wish they would do that too and there'd be a lot more intrigue I think for the viewer. All right, so are you betting any golf this week? You're waiting to the Ryder Cup next week, and if if it's the Ryder Cup, any preliminary thoughts? Yeah, uh, no PGA Tour event this week. We are going to have the BMW PGA Championship over in Surrey, England at Wentworth, so I'll probably have something on that. But Ryder Cup picks are going to about to be announced. Uh, Team USA, I think the rightful favorite, because this seems like it's a little bit of a transition year for the Europeans. You still have quality at the top. You still have John Rahm and Rory McIlroy and Terrell Hatton and Tommy Fleetwood, who finished runner-up over in the event in Italy this weekend on the European Tour. But And you also have some veterans that will probably be captain's picks, like Ian Poulter, like Justin Rowe, or not Justin Rowe, Sergio Garcia. But what you have, Gil, is you have a lot of young players that are winning these kind of watered-down fields on the European Tour that are very good players, like Rasmus Hoygaard and Sam Horsfield. But these guys are really young, and they're probably not ready for Ryder Cup experience. So it's right there for the Americans. I mean, you've got, I think, three captain's picks locks that did not make the top six for the points, that being Xander Schauffele, Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, and then how Steve Stricker fills out his team. Much has been made of the dissension between Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau and Bryson DeChambeau and pretty much everybody else. But this team is just loaded with talent at the top. And I think this is right there for the Americans here in a few weeks at Whistling Straits. All right, Wes, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to more of your thoughts as the Ryder Cup approaches, obviously, later this month, both on Long Shots and elsewhere, where you'll be on the network. By the way, you can follow Wes at Wes Reynolds 1. That's the number one 
on Twitter. Let's talk a little college football. I will throw out the team and briefly uh, recite their uh, the headline of their performance, and you tell me like how close to red alert this ought to be after week one, uh, perhaps based on our previous expectations. Uh, let's start with North Carolina. They lose to Virginia Tech by seven as five-and-a-half-point favorites, and Sam Howell's Heisman candidacy takes an immediate hit. How red alertish should this be for the Tar Heels? Yeah, it probably should be at least a at least a pink alert or a bright red or a bright red alert if you want to say that because look Virginia Tech that's not an easy place to go win I know that program has been down over the last few years but this is a huge year for Justin Puente he is on the hot seat they have two losing seasons in the last three years in Blacksburg that does not go well in Blacksburg and they are not used to that with all those great years under Frank Beamer so look they were hyped and ready to go. Uh, I know Enter uh, Sandman hits a little different at 6 p.m. Eastern time when the <laughs> when the sunlight is still out instead of at eight o'clock. You know, uh, on a, on a weekend when usually that hits pretty darn hard. But Virginia Tech, give them credit. I felt that they were a live home underdog in that game. North Carolina. I think what you saw with Sam Howell is that he has to do it a lot by himself. A lot of this is on his shoulders. He had, I think, a receiver or two out for this game. He had a receiver or two now in the NFL, both the star running backs. You remember that that dual threat, Carter and Williams? Remember that last game of the regular season against Miami, Gill, where they ran for about 10,000 yards, actually about maybe 650 combined, but they ran all over Miami. But North Carolina, I think the cupboard is a little bit more bare and you need guys to step up. And this is where you see the personnel losses in game one. So, uh, yeah, North Carolina, the one saving grace for them is that it wasn't a banner weekend for the ACC. So I don't think their conference title hopes are gone. But certainly looking at some of the prices on the Heisman, I think I'm seeing Sam Howe at 25 to 1. I would have thought he would have drifted a little bit me, further. Me now. too. I said that the night that the game was on, I guess on primetime, actually, I guess that was Friday night. I can't even remember Thursday or Friday. Night. Maybe it was Thursday night where I was like, you won't see a 50, you won't see anything lower than 50 to 1 after this. Uh, but 25 to 1 is where he is right now. Iowa State, number seven team in the country uh, in preseason polls. They beat Northern Iowa, and this is not March Madness, Wes, 16 to 10 as 28 and a half point favorites. What about the Cyclones? You know, I don't push the panic button on the clones just yet, and I actually kind of lean to them at least early on in this Cyhawk game against Iowa. By the way, Iowa, the game was not played last year due to COVID-19, but Iowa's won five in a row. Matt Campbell has never beaten Kirk Ferentz in this rivalry game and I don't know if Iowa State maybe was keeping something in reserve or maybe was looking ahead a little bit but Northern Iowa actually has beaten both of these teams on the road over the last uh, you know 10 to 15 years because this is a, a big deal for Northern Iowa and they're usually a pretty darn solid FCS program so Iowa State kind of struggled out of the gate a little bit I'm not going to push the panic button as of yet I think that's probably why you're seeing this line it's probably going to dance around three it's three and a half pretty much market wide that's what I think you're going to see because I think Iowa is going to get some support a more impressive win than expected over Indiana they had the two pick sixes in the first half and that was pretty much all she wrote for the Hoosiers I think the Indiana thing sorry to say this to you Wes who's obviously an Indiana native I think that's the one thing that all of our experts universally got right that that this was going you know last year was fun but this is not going to at least start well for them That was the one thing that everybody got. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, look, I feel that there's momentum with the program. And I think, you know, it's that old, thank God we're not where we used to be type of thing. But you're not yet where you want to be. And I think what you saw with that Indiana-Iowa game, Iowa is always physical up front. And they can always manage to run the ball, even though they lost three of five offensive line starters. Nobody develops O-line, I think, better than Kirk Ferentz in college football. And they absolutely overpowered the Hoosiers at the line of scrimmage. Oregon tied with Fresno State in the fourth quarter at 24 apiece before they eke it out 31 to 24. They do so as 19 and a half point favorites. Um, Let's just go forward to this coming week. Uh, Ohio State opens as a 13-point favorite against Oregon. It is 14 points now. I'm curious, were you shocked by the size of that, or is it justified given, and let's just just run this down, uh, Thibodeau got hurt. 
That's the first thing. He was projected as the number one pick in the draft. Two days extra rest for the Buckeyes um, and prep for for them. Flying across country, Oregon will be. 9 a.m. body clock start. Full house at the at the horseshoe. Maybe as I'm, ta- I'm talking through it, it, I think it is justified. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of where I thought it was going to be. And this opened, actually, because Circus Sports going to be yet first to market on Sunday afternoon for these college football games. They opened 13. And look, when whenever we see what is bet early on, obviously want to point this out to the viewers and listeners. These are predominantly professional bettors that are betting this on Sunday afternoon. These are not the, you know, the casual Joe, your buddy at work that, you know, just wants to bet and have a little fun during the game. What these guys are doing, though, is not necessarily, I think, taking true positions. Not that that's the case here or not the case, but it was 13 on the opener, right? So, you know, these guys are going to be thinking, well, I'm not going to be able to lay 13 on Ohio State on game day. It's probably going to be at least 14 or maybe 14 and a half that's starting to show right now. So I thought that this spread would be where it would be. And you look at some of these teams where we're drawing conclusion. Ohio State is kind of like at least through game one is kind of what we saw last year. Very explosive offensively can just explode at the snap of a finger. Just some beautiful play design. Sure. And you've got two pros at wide receiver and you got speed and talent and depth there at running back. And I thought Stroud kind of settled in after a little bit of a sluggish first half. But on the other side, this pass defense still has a lot of work to do, and you can still exploit those linebackers in coverage. Even though Kerry Coombs is trying to go with the 4-2-5, the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, kind of get a safety, get a rover, whatever you want to call the position, get another speed guy in the defensive backfield on the field. But Ohio State's still a little shaky in pass coverage. Minnesota who actually had a good game plan, I thought, in terms of controlling the ball, controlling the time of possession, ran the ball really well. Minnesota, you could just see, they didn't have a receiver that could really exploit Ohio State in the secondary. Maybe Penn State's the only team left on that Ross on that Big Ten schedule that can. Rashad Bateman is not walking through that door. There, there's so many other teams to get to, um, and I'll, I'll save you because we got two minutes here. I just want to get your Clemson-Georgia thoughts. Georgia winning what you could either describe as a defensive battle or or maybe just poor offense 10 to 3 a pick 6 accounting for the one touchdown it played out kind of how i thought it was going to in the fact that i said look i think the defensive lines on both sides of the ball are going to be able to control this game and by and large they did and you know credit clemson even in a defeat they controlled Georgia's receivers like Georgia had no passing game, really. They were able to run the ball enough and kind of grind it out enough to get the win. But, you know, Georgia, look, you, you beat a playoff team, essentially, on a neutral side. So you got to see, OK, Georgia's right in the mix here. I don't think you want to necessarily throw Clemson out the window, though, because I think it's going to get a lot easier on the schedule. I know DJ was not that great, but Mm -hmm. he's playing against one of the best defenses in the country the first week out of the box. So, you know, that's what we said about this game. The loser that loses this game is not necessarily going to be out of it. You want to lose early when it comes to getting into the college football playoff if you have to lose at all. Ewan Galilee looked heavy and slow and Byron Leftwichy. I believe is the uh, is the person that that Kelly compared him to originally. Uh, so I give him the credit on that. But I mean, I, maybe a, maybe a good time to bet him for Heisman. Yeah, I would think so because I don't think anybody except Bryce Young is now the favorite, of course, because Alabama just keeps rolling along. But I think now that he's slipped a little bit, nobody else really killed it either, like Spencer Rattler or Stroud or Daniels or anybody like that here in week one. That was the next team I was going to get to, Oklahoma. But we're out of time, Wes. Uh, I could talk to you about this for an hour. I appreciate it, man. Always fun. Thank you. You bet, guys. Thank you. Wes Reynolds, everybody. The glue that holds this operation together, if you want to know the truth. Uh, We'll come back, parlay, and and I will go through more college football teams, get his reaction. Uh, Baseball, remaining strength of schedule. We'll do that next. And, yes, tennis picks. They're on the way right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, a numbers game.
Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. With football season just about here, NFL obviously I'm talking about, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Gil Alexander, Jeff Parlay, producer number eight, is here as well. Jeff, I could just still rattle off some more college football teams. Oklahoma, uh, 32.5-point favorites against Tulane. Uh, they lead by 23 at the half, do the Sooners. Then they hold on for dear life after uh, Tulane recovered an onside kick to win it 40-35. to 35. Same old, same old with Oklahoma. Why do we do this with college football programs every offseason? Oh, Oklahoma's going to be awesome. Oh, Oregon. Oh, they're going to be awesome. Am I, am I, am I, and I'm, I don't think I'm being prisoner of the moment. This happens every year with these teams. More than Oklahoma. Forget yeah, Oklahoma you for, were a for a second. for a second. Because because Oklahoma's to me still clearly the best team in the Big Twelve, and they're probably going to lose one game and make the playoff anyway. For the Pac-12, everyone's eyes were on Alabama throttling Miami while Oregon was struggling like heck against Fresno mm-hmm. State. Which, by the way, Fresno may be a totally solid team, Gil. They may be totally okay. We'll see this upcoming week. They play UCLA in the Rose Bowl. But other than UCLA and USC, who USC took a while, but they took care of their business against a pretty good San Jose State team. UCLA was clearly the better team on the field at the Rose Bowl against LSU. Everyone else in that conference looked horrible. UW. UW loses at home to Montana. To FCS Montana. They lose 13-7 to Montana. The Grizzlies, 232 yards of offense, uh, but plus three in turnovers. That did the trick. Jeez. So bad. By the way, Penn State, Wisconsin. <laughs> Penn State, 43 yards of offense and one first down in the first half. But Wisconsin, first and goal at the two, penalty misses a field goal. First and 10 and another drive later in the second quarter at the 12, fumble. Fourth quarter, first and goal at the one, recovered their own fumble, then a pick. Just how bad is some of this stuff? Again, juxtaposed against the greatness that is tennis. The, the, the most amazing thing you can see physically and mentally in a sporting event. What a contrast. Oh, my goodness. But... In-game betting, different story on all this stuff. Uh, let's go to remaining strength of schedule in baseball because we are officially in the home stretch, that's for sure. And I've been pumping this thing up about the San Diego Padres juxtaposed the remaining strength of schedule, juxtaposed against the Reds and the Phillies, the two teams that they're essentially competing with right now, although the Mets are on the screen again, Jeffrey. Um, but the Phillies and the Reds, now the Reds actually have the, the easiest remaining schedule in baseball, Phillies second easiest, and the Padres have the toughest. 591 is the combined winning percentage of the teams the Padres are playing in the remaining 25 games, yet they have managed to hang tough uh, in the race for the number two wildcard position in the National League. But 25 games left for them, 26 for the Phillies, 24 for the Reds, who have a 452 combined winning percentage, opposing winning percentage for the Phillies, and a 447 combined opposing winning percentage left for the Reds. It's still enough runway where you'd think the Padres have no shot at this, even though thus far they've been hanging tough. New kids on the block. So I just, I still don't think, I mean, good for the Padres for hanging tough this far, but I don't think you can make a bet on them moving forward. I just don't think you can. By the way, the Padres get to the number two wild card, pull this off with that opposing uh, combined winning percentage versus the Phillies and the Reds, will never go through remaining strength of schedule ever again because it will be a pointless exercise at that point. But I just don't think – I think this informs what your bets ought to be. By the way, the Phillies cannot get over the hump in the National League East. Two back of the Braves can't get over the hump yet in the wild card race, which is its own Mishugas. It's Yiddish, by the way, for all of you uh, celebrating Rosh Hashanah tonight. Um, okay, so – and then the American League, the Athletics now, boy, oh, boy, they might be cooked Four games out of the number two position currently hold by, held by the Red Sox. Not quite as uh, dramatic. Their opposing combined winning percentage, uh, opposing teams combined winning percentage the rest of the way. But 518 is still the hardest of the contending teams in the American League. Seattle won't go away all season long. Seattle now ahead of the, of the athletics, by the way. Better record by one game, which is just unbelievable. 
The Mariners still in this. They're more in it than the o, than the A's are. And then the Yankees and Red Sox, pretty comparable, pretty easy schedules the rest of the way. And we don't want to forget about the Blue Jays, who are hanging in there, too. Not nearly as dramatic an exercise, though, as it is in the National League, where you're just, again, informing your bets. Hey, I really want to bet on the Padres. Yeah, I don't know if you can. Again, a 591 opposing winning percentage. That's like a better... It's like playing a team that's better than the Astros every single week when you look at the uh, the actual numbers. So just a just a thought. Now, if we are here two weeks from now and the Padres are still on top, that's a different story. We'll come back. Tennis picks on a numbers game at Visa and the Sports Betting Network. a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Now is the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide. The guide is only $19.99 and available now. Our experts providing profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for VEASAN All Access. Get everything we offer for the entire football season at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's Gil Alexander. Jeffrey Parlay, producer number eight, uh, is here as well. Um, this is the, also the beauty of golf and tennis. The FedEx Cup gets out of the way. Uh, the U.S. Open, as, as, as just amazing as it is, gets out of the way right for the NFL season to start unscathed. So that's the beauty of the, of the scheduling on all this. Uh, we had a great weekend, 3-3 three and three on Saturday, which doesn't sound great, but it was winning day because we hit uh, a big dog in there. Not a big dog, but a, but a sizable dog in Lloyd Harris. Straight set winner over Denis Shapovalov. Yesterday, a 2-0 and o clean sheet on both Evita, uh, excuse me, Elena Svitolina and last night on Barbora Krajikova, who was our futures play uh, in this tournament on the ladies' side at both 18-1 and 20-1. Um, that was unbelievable. She runs out. Uh, she, she, she wins the first set easily against Garbine Muguruza last night, 6-3, as I mentioned earlier, and then up two breaks. It looks like it's going to just be uh, coasty. And, man, then her face got, got this weird expression. Her face turned red. Uh, she had trouble breathing. And you're like, oh, I cannot believe this is about to happen. And she ends up somehow, then she uh, down 6-5. She goes for a break and she comes back and then she's barely moving and she wins almost every point uh, and wins the tiebreaker. I really believe if she loses that tiebreaker, I think she quits. She loses the match and she's no longer obviously in the tournament, but we get it done nonetheless. Uh, So our, our picks once again, over 21 units in your pocket. If you have bet all of our tennis picks here during the hard court season. So I hope you have been playing along. It has been quite the run. Um, I believe it's, uh, I'll get the exact record here. We'll have it flash across the screen here momentarily, but it has just been a boon. Today, uh, there are two picks. Now, here's the thing. On the men's side, you have a situation where we've gotten deep enough into this tournament where it's like, you know, the biggest names in men's tennis, with the exception of those that sat out, right? Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Dominic Team, who's the defending champion. On the men's side, it's going to be tough to find value, at least in these stages, uh, because you have you have four matches again. This is the final uh, leg of the round of sixteen. Novak Djokovic minus ten thousand against Jensen Brooksby. Brooksby's great. He's gonna be great, but he's not beating Novak. Um, Matteo Berrettini's minus nine oh nine against Oscar Ote. The pick that I thought to make, but ultimately decided not to. By the way, would be Ote plus the games plus six games. But I'm not doing it just because Berrettini's serve is so good that he could be on and that bet will go away. It could hit, but I just want to, I wanted to stay on the uh, the conservative side. Zverev is a minus 588 favorite over Yannick Sinner. As great as Sinner is going to be and as great as he is now, um, Sasha Zverev showed a little bit of, of jinx in the armor last time out, but I think he gets it done. And then there's the Harris-Opelka match, which, you know, again, we bet on Harris over the weekend as a as a plus 147 dogish, I believe was the number, uh, against Shapovalov. But against Opelka, that serve of Opelka's is so dominant that you just don't want to get involved in a match where you might have the better player, but the serve just overrides everything of your opponent. So stayed steered completely clear of the uh, closing round of 16 matches on the men's side. However, 
on the ladies side. Um, couple, you know, a few of these were, were on the sides were not bettable to me either. Svatek versus Bencic. I don't want to, I don't want any part of that. Sviatek might be the better player, but Benchic just has the better season. Their numbers are pretty comparable. Pavlyuchenkova might have a little bit of value over Pliskova, but Pliskova has been in great form with her serve, so I'm staring clear of that. The two I am playing, and I played these last night, uh, Emma Raducanu, our girl. Uh, I got her at minus 159 over Shelby Rogers. I played it last night. You might even be able to find this at a better price by a few cents right now. The 18-year-old British sensation Emma Raducanu is pick number one, minus 159 over Shelby Rogers, who was unbelievable uh, in her upset of Ash Barty on Saturday when she was down, I believe it was, was it 5-2? Uh, 5-2 in the second, or excuse me, in the third and deciding set. And all of a sudden, against the world number one, Shelby Rogers just came out for, from the ashes. To beat Ash Barty, which of course helps our futures play on Krajikova, uh, needless to say. But uh, I've got Raducanu today. Her her hard court numbers are just spectacular. By the way, we bet Raducanu on Saturday, and she almost bagel bageled Sarah Saribes Tormo. Like that's the easiest match you'll ever bet on. Uh, Raducanu has just been dominant. I do not think Shelby Rogers. I think what we saw on Saturday was more aberrational, and I think Raducanu gets by one more round here. So minus 159, again, you can find her perhaps for a few cents better. And then pick number two is a total, which, as you know, we don't do quite as often. Um, Usually a side's better. But in some cases, I will bet a total. And tonight in the nightcap, uh, Bianca Andreescu, the 2019 U.S. Open women's champ, who is finding her form once again, finally, after all this time. She's going up against the Greek Maria Sakkari. Um... I think this will be a very, very competitive match, and there's a reason why they have it as the uh, as the nightcap position, the the last match of the night, because they, you know, schedule makers at the U.S. Open feel the same. Should be a great match. I'm going over 22 games at minus 105. The juice might be a little higher on this now. Got this last night at over 22 games, minus 105. Again, what you are basically betting on here is two really competitive sets or this going to a third and final set to determine the winner. So Andrescu Sakari, not going to pick a side. Um, you know, again, might there be some ed, little, t- little bit of value on Andrescu on the side? Maybe. But to me, the better bet is the over 22 games. So those are your two picks in tennis again. As the pickings start to get slim, as the uh, number of players still left dwindles, obviously, from round to round, it's Radu Kanu, minus 159 over Shelby Rogers. I believe that's an 11 a.m., Pacific, uh, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern start, and you know how these tennis matches start in tournaments. That's a scheduled start, but is unlikely to start exactly at that moment if, a, if another match preceding it goes long. By the way, ladies yesterday had to wait hours in some cases to get their matches started uh, from their originally scheduled time. So Raducanu minus 159 over Rogers, and oh, by the way, you should probably watch this match if you know what I mean. And then tonight, Andrescu Sakari over 22 games, minus 105. Jeffrey, you've been playing the tennis? You've been, you been on it? How, how could I not? <laughs> Has Margaret been on it? Yes. She's yes. been playing them too? Oh, the uh, the collegiate tennis player herself. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. She was watching Krajikova almost melt down last night too, huh? Yes. Oh, boy. That was, if we had, if we had lost that or if she had quit, that would have been so tilting. Thankfully, it did not happen that way. Raducanu, Andrescu Sakari, over 22 games as the epic run. Um, I don't even know if we can call it a run anymore. But it is uh, it has been pretty epic, and so we are we are humbled by it and we appreciate I, I certainly appreciate all the kind words on Twitter from everybody. Thank you so much on that. We'll come back. Jeff and I have more college football to talk about. Clemson, Georgia, Florida State, Notre Dame last night. My goodness. And an interesting totals record this weekend. We'll get into that next on the numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. 
Discover what winning feels like at BetMGM. It's the best time to sign up because they're giving new customers a shot at an easy 100 bucks. Register using code VSIN100 to win $100 in free bets when you place a $1 money line wager on any college football game and either team scores a touchdown. No matter what your gridiron game is, BetMGM's always ready for the action. Enjoy parlay selection builders, daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code VSIN100 to win $100 when you bet $1 on any college football game and either team scores a touchdown. Only at BetMGM, the king of sports books. New customer offer, paid in free bets. Eligibility to restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older, rather, to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in the state of Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Uh, producer number eight, also producer number five, Jeffrey Parlay. And by the way, uh, Jeff Parlay, Jeff Parles, how it's really pronounced, uh, the host of Bet Center as well here at VEASAN. We should we should not sell you short on that. You are still the host of Bet Center, which you did yesterday with? Our guy, Ben Wilson. Ben Wilson. Ben hasn't gotten like a slick national play-by-play gig yet? Oh, come on now. Not yet? Not yet. He'll get there. Old Noah Eagles got one. Well. <laughs> Just don't even say anything. <laughs> By the way, Ian Eagle, we got to get him back on. Your old camp uh, oh, camp yeah, counselor, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever he was. Whenever you want, Gil. Yeah, I, Ian, that's your Ian, guy. Ian's, uh, I believe Ian is in uh, in Foxborough this week. Okay, nice. To double check that. Nice gig. How about how, how about Chris Fowler doing the U.S. Open, then on Saturday flies down to Charlotte to do Clemson, Georgia, and then flies back to do the U.S. Open. Is that better than Nance going from March Madness to the Masters? I would, for me, yes. For you, yes. For me, absolutely not. Yeah, no, for me, that's great. Are you kidding me? U.S. Open to the best college football game, or, or on paper anyway, the best college football interconference game of the year. Um, one last thing about the Padres mentioned 25 games left, 591 opposing winning percentage. Uh, here are their, just in chunks, I won't go through it in order, but in chunks, here are the teams, the last 25 games, two against the Angels. Those are the easy ones. Here are the other 23. 10 against the Giants, 6 against the Dodgers, 4 against the Braves, 3 against the Cardinals. Cardinals still in the mix, and no one talks about them. But they're still double digits to make the playoffs, I think. Well, you saw what happened to St. Louis yesterday. Yes, I did. Five, run, five runs in the bottom of the ninth. They with, got uh, Vogelbach. With Vogelbach with the grand slam to walk it off. I've won bets on Vogelbach when, I, when he was with the Mariners, him doing the exact same thing. Not a slam, but still a homer to win it. Uh, in the ninth inning. And your Mets are on the screen, Jeff. How legit could this be? You know what will happen. <laughs> I, I've already predetermined what's going to happen here, Gil. They're going to be in it until the last week. Yeah. Find a way to stay in. They have three games at the end of the season against the Braves in Atlanta. Four back, by the way. Yeah. They'll, they'll, the, the, uh, the Mets will find a way to, uh, to, to, to get back in it and rip my heart out after I start uh, fully watching again. By the way, let me not sell them short. They're four back of the number two wild card. They're three and a half out of the NL East lead. Right. They have a game against Washington this afternoon, and Atlanta's not playing. Count so it. You would hope it's three by the end of the day. Yeah. And DeGrom? Huh? Maybe? Who knows? Okay. I don't think they even know. By the way, how great is football season? These shows just write themselves. There's just too much to talk about. Um, okay, so back to college football. Uh, Georgia Clemson, because I briefly touched on this with Wes. Wh- where do you stand on that? Do you think it was two games? Do you think it was two teams that were far lesser than we expected? Or was it the competition on the other side of the field that made it look that way? I think Georgia's defense is amazing. I think that's, that's one thing. Their defense is absolutely incredible. With that said, this is the weakest offensive line we have seen from Clemson in a really Ooh, long time. Bad. And I don't know what DJ uh, is. I don't know if he's really good. I don't know if what we saw last year in that Notre Dame game was an aberration. But Byron Leftwichy is a good <laughs> analogy of what we saw. <laughs> when did he become Byron Leftwich? Yeah, that's what he looked yeah. like. And yeah. look, I, George, George's offense kind of looked how I expected JT Daniels is was wildly overrated going into this season. He's an average I, I college so quarterback, too. and we saw that. We saw Captain check down the entire game, and they did nothing. They had really they had two drives that were good. That one was the missed field goal, and the the other one was a short field as it was anyway, where they got their their only field goal of the game. So, look, Georgia's defense is incredible. That is a legitimate top three unit defensively in the country. Clemson's defense looked better than I thought, but I thought that had more to do with JT Daniels and Georgia's offense. But look, Sean King, I was in for Tim Murray on the nightcap a a few weeks ago, Sean's first week. 
And Sean King, of course, former NFL quarterback and now a host on the network here, said Clemson's going 9-3. and three. He thought that this was a regress, and he thought that, that there were enough questions about the offensive line and DJ that you could see Clemson take a step back. Well, he's on his way. He's one-third of the way there he's now on with his this way. loss. Yeah, he's on his way for sure. And Georgia, pencil him in to the, uh, to the playoffs, the national semis. Pencil him in. Yeah, they go twelve and zero. Yeah. If they go twelve and zero in the regular season, even, it's even a if they lose, even if they lose one, I mean, now they get the benefit of the doubt on this. You know, it's going to be the, the sort of tiebreaker of everything. So, so just Gil, just a question for you on this. Just looking at this, because as soon as those props of two SEC teams making the playoffs pop up, the yes should oh. be hammered into oblivion because Alabama's going undefeated. Right. I, I know people. I know there will be people that want to go for the shock jock value against A and M in a few weeks. Alabama's going to roll AM. But here's the thing. The books also know that it's stacked oh, in know. favor of the SEC. Oh, I know. This just in. Yeah. Uh, speaking of AM, they, they, they did end up covering uh, against Kent State, but it was 10 to 3 at the half. Like they were another team that everybody expected to be awesome for at least half that game. You're like, oh, no. But this from Scott Gordon, I don't know if people saw this. Uh, Kino, uh, Kino Shaw 11th. Kenosha. Oh, pardon me. It's Kenosha 11th. Pardon me. Uh, I'm like reading it through Ron Burgundy-ish. That was very Jeopardy. That was very Celebrity Jeopardy of me. Kenosha 11th. Uh, Scott Gordon, Gil, is there any possible way you could do a deep dive on the last five minutes of Saturday's Texas A&M-Kent State game? Numerous coaching decisions were made in an effort for Kent State to cover the minus 29. Karma alert, no kicker should wear number 60. So what he's referring to is their their kicker wore number 60 and ended up missing the... uh, the what would have been the cover deciding field goal. But here's what he's talking about. So, again, I mentioned Texas A&M was up uh, 10-3 at the half. But they, they go out all the way to a 41-10 lead. I'm going to take off my uh, glasses, uh, Cronkite style, because this is this, uh, this, this uh, interesting here. Um, 41-10, Kent State now with less than uh, seven minutes left in the game. They matriculate the ball down the field. And, again, they're down 31. Keep that in mind. They're down 31. They have a first and goal at the six with under five minutes left. And they're, they like, on second down, they run a running play, which seemed a little strange. Anyway, they attempt a 25-yard field goal down 31, and they miss it. Andrew Glass misses it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Let's cut the lead. Let's cut the lead to 28 for no apparent reason. Remember, the spread was right around 28 and a half, 29 and a half. Uh, then A&M, uh, uh, Kent State picks off an A&M pass with under two minutes left. And so A&M has it in, excuse me, Kent State has it first and 10 at the uh, A&M 30 with 124 left. And like the first down is a running play. Um you know, and then there was like a, then they get a first and goal at the 10. Uh, and after a sack, then they run it for two, they run it again. Uh, and then third and goal at the 13 with 21 seconds left, they run it again, basically trying to set up a, a field goal again to cover. What are you doing? And then they miss a 24 yard field goal and don't get the cover. Sorry, I'll put the glasses back on. I mean, what a, so that's, there's so many themes in college football like that. The coaches are, seem to be painfully aware in some cases of the spread. Maybe I'm wrong, but that seemed a little suspicious. Thank you for that tweet, uh, Scott Gordon. There's that. Like, what kind of other epidemics are there in college football? Here's one. No one takes a knee, Jeff. No one takes a knee. You know how in the NFL, they're like, well, we got this game. We'll just take a knee, and that's the end of that. And by the way, for betting purposes, like, you can count on that. But how many times through the years in college football have you lost a college football bet because someone who needed to take a knee is like, no, we'll just rush this up a middle, and oh, what do you know, it went 60 yards. So, you know, um, Jim Harbaugh won't take a knee. Uh, Ohio State wouldn't. Tennessee wouldn't. Nobody, Nobody takes a knee. But coaches knowing the spread, you know, that's something to think about. So here's the thing with the unders. You ready for this, Jeff? I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Are you aware of the record of unders hitting this week in college football? In games involving at least one FBS team, unders went 43-22-1. Any theories? Do you think it's an aberration, or do you think there is a theory? Aberration. Dr. Bob Stoll, who went 7-0, and by the way, this weekend against the spread and on his, his best bets and strong opinions— who will be on the show every Friday this this year during college football season? He has a th- he has a theory about this, and 
I'm trying to get him to share it with us on Friday, and I think I have succeeded. So he, he may have some under bets this weekend that he's going to share it with us. But 43-22-1 to the under. The other thing, I remember that super tough Illinois team that, uh, that beat Nebraska? They lose outright to uh, Texas San Antonio. So just another look, bad look for Nebraska. And last night, can we just say this? This has nothing to do with betting. Well, ultimately it did because the money line came into play. But Notre Dame and FSU which initially looked like Notre Dame was going to run them out of the building because, oh, it was like they scored on a fourth down early. There's also some drops by receivers like, oh, Notre Dame could crush them. And Notre Dame's defense early looked awesome. And then next thing you know, you look up, Florida State has two huge plays. Then Notre Dame goes up 18 points later, and you're like, oh, yeah, I was right to begin with. Notre Dame is going to run them out of the building. And then Florida State, Milton McKenzie gets in this game. And it's, the, it's like a script, a Hollywood script. Joe Tessitore said it. Milton McKenzie, who was so good at Central Florida, who had that catastrophic leg injury where arteries and his ligaments were involved, and no one knew if he could ever walk right again, let alone play big-time college football. He comes in the game and leads them on a on a, just a dramatic drive late in this game. And it was just unbelievable. The, the Hollywood script didn't end correctly, or, or well, I should say, because uh, obviously Notre Dame won it uh, by a field goal in, uh, in overtime, 41-38. to 38. But first of all, why wasn't he starting to begin with? Um, and secondly, so many things about that game. Getting field goals on the correct hash mark. Brian Kelly seemed to get that last night. Not so much on the other side of the football. We'll come back. More uh, college football observations. Betting perspective. Jason Weingarten on baseball. And Chrissy Andrews the week before the debut of Guessing Lines. It's a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.